You're listening to the Soldiers of Hell on Anchor and all podcast services. I'm Andy. And I am someone who is sat next to a cat that I'm hoping is going to be fairly quiet for the whole episode because he is an annoying, meowing man. He-man? Are you he-man? No. Is is he cringer? (laughs) Could be. Have a listen to this. Say something. Oh, now you're quiet. (laughs) Now you don't want to say anything. You did specifically tell said cat to be quiet. Yeah, true, I did. So obviously, so either it's a coincidence, or, and I think this is the more likely scenario, the cat can speak English. Or can't do sarcasm. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He's just just familiar with satire. Yes. Um, Right, so, this week, you, you probably noticed... We're we're in close proximity this week. We are. We're, I'm really. I, I, can, I can actually see your face. So close. Basically, a hand width apart. Whose hand? Mine. I just did this. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So here we are in glorious. Uh, which York? I don't want to offend people. Which Yorkshire are we in? Well, just Yorkshire. Well, it's, it is North Yorkshire. North North Yorkshire. Not North North Yorkshire. <laughs> That's Scotland. <laughs> it's North a, Yorkshire. We've got to talk about Yorkshire because I um well, we got to the end of Game of Thrones, just like everybody has. Well, maybe you haven't, in which case, spoiler alert. But um there's been a lot of kerfuffle about the end of oh, Game of Thrones. Oh, there has been some discussions, shall we say. And uh, it was pointed out that um so it the recent uh, European elections have taken place, and uh, in the Yorkshire region, one of the parties that you could vote for was the Yorkshire Party, and they were voting for an independent Yorkshire. That's that's what they want. What's their What's their favourite pudding? <laughs> I think it's uh, treacle. Okay. Yeah. Um, and it was pointed out to me by friends that. Um, the Yorkshire Party are pretty much like the Brexit equivalent of Sansa, <laughs> who yeah. wants a, an independent North uh, in Winterfell. Oh, well, what's the favourite tea? <laughs> I think it's uh, Earl Grey, isn't it? <laughs> so, their policy is for an independent... Right, OK. When they approach this, are they... Proposing to unify the three Yorkshires, or are they independently standing for a for a North Yorkshire platform? Now all of Yorkshire, all of Yorkshire as an independent. So, so first of all, they've got to unify the three Yorkshires. <laughs> Don't see. forget the Humber as well. Is Humber part of the Yorkshires? Well, they say Yorkshire and Humberside, don't they? But have they specified the Humber side? I don't know. But what's your favourite bank? Halifax. <laughs> <laughs> Which is in Yorkshire. <coughs> um, okay, um, okay, a different one then. Uh, Leeds. <laughs> um, which Yorkshire is it that hasn't got a Yorkshire? Is it east? There's a west and a north, and a, or is it south? Which no, one's no, not a no, county? No, so she- Sheffield's South Yorkshire. York is North Yorkshire. Uh, Leeds is West Yorkshire. 
but there is no East Yorkshire as such county. That's Humberside, I guess. Right. Um, so, there, so there you go. We've, we're on to politics. All of our Humberside listeners, all of you, um, you've just been annexed. <laughs> you're now you're no longer Humberside. You're East Yorkshire. Mm, interesting. Where does this put you in the battle for the throne? Pretty far away, I would imagine. Yeah. Pretty unrealistic. Um, what that fancy TV show? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Here's let loose. I'm, I'm, just, <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of all the things from Yorkshire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh dear. Okay. What? What? Um. If you're listening on Anchor, by the way, just a quick reminder before we we cut to a song that uh, if you listen on Anchor, you get the beauty of the music through Spotify. If you're listening on other podcast services, that's absolutely fine. Check the show notes out though, because that is a way for you to get in touch with us via messages, and we might even drop your messages into the show if we're feeling generous or you're lovely. Or, or both. Or you can think of another Yorkshire-based thing for us to talk about. <laughs> What's his favourite ripper? <laughs> Jack? <laughs> Cut that one. <laughs> Who's your favourite Batman? Michael Keaton. Not Robert Pattinson, then? No, well, as yet, he's yet to be... Both confirmed as and actually be Batman. So I don't think he qualifies at the minute. How do you feel about him? Conflicted. Mm. Um, I've not seen a lot of his previous work. Apparently his new film that he's in with... What's it? Green Goblin. Uh, Norman Osborn. Yeah. Crazy Eyes. Yeah. <laughs> this is, you know what I mean. Platoon. Yes, Will, Willem Dafoe. That guy. Willem Dafoe. Yeah. Um, apparently his new film with him is he's very good and apparently he is very good in it um, and has convinced a lot of people. So there's hope, I suppose. I suppose in many ways, similar to the way that, for me, Ben Affleck's performance in Gone Girl was what sort of sold him as Batman to me. I know it's a massively different role, but that was the first part I'd seen him in where he clearly bulked up a bit and I thought he had the physical presence and also that he could act a bit, I suppose. Hmm. So I think that's that swung it for me. So there's a lot about this era though, doesn't it, in terms of uh, there's already been an outcry over him potentially playing the role, but that's not new. There was an outcry over Batfleck, there was an outcry over Keaton, um, there was an outcry over Daniel Craig as Bond. It goes on and on, and most of the time you just need to wait until they actually deliver or not, as it may be. But either way, you've just got to see how it plays out and, and make a judgment at that point. I think a lot of the time, people are... They're not saying, I don't think you can do the job. A lot of the time, I think they're saying, you don't... I. It's either A... I don't like you or your previous body of work, and it's not actually a comment on their ability, or it's B, you don't fit my very specific idea in my head of what this character or story should be. 
But for me, Ben Affleck was always going to be... He was always going to be a decent Batman based solely on the chin. Yeah, it <laughs> is about the chin, isn't it? He's, he's had the best chin of any Batman. That's yeah, a fact. Yeah, and it was only when I saw him in Gone Girl I thought, actually, yes, the, the rest of it will fit around that. Um, I suppose Robertson, I suppose in many ways, Robert Pattinson has got a chin. He owns one right so now. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. So let's hope he puts that chin to good use and does a good Batman. I wonder who his um, sort of supporting cast will be because the rumours we'd had to date were Army Hammer would get the lead role and if it's not going to be him, then are the people that we'd heard up for the roles of um, uh, Gordon and uh, Alfred going to be the people we'd hope they will be? Are you speaking of... uh... Magnum. Magnum as... Uh, Magnum and Bond. Yes. Specifically the Pierce Bond. Pierce, yeah, Pierce Brosnan as... Now, I'd never thought of Pierce Brosnan too much as Alfred. He wasn't keeping me up at night. But then, I think you sent me a photo of him from another film where he's he bearded. Bearded in a, a waistcoat a beard, with, a, with a rifle. A bearded Alfred. Can you imagine such a thing? I think it would work. That's exactly the look I think they should go for. Yep. And then, if you think of Commissioner Gordon, you just think of the strong Tash, don't you? You've got to have a good Tash game for Commissioner Gordon. End of. And I think from, from how the character is drawn in a lot of the comics, it's as though they're drawing... Tom Selleck. The only problem is, is Tom Selleck a bit old now? Because he is beyond <clears throat> retirement age, technically, isn't he? And with, See, this is, again, it, it depends how much you put stock in continuity and canon. Robert Pattinson, purely on his... It, he's not massively... I suppose he could bulk up, who knows? I've never seen him try and do that for a role. But I think of him as being wiry mm. rather than bulky. And he's got a youthfulness to him. What, is he early 30s? So he's going to have to be playing a Batman that's relatively early in career. So how much do you now want Batman's to see... Now Batman's in Gotham. <laughs> Which is in America. Yeah, but he's got to put his soul into it. <laughs> <laughs> um. So do you, can you have, can you stand to see an older Jim Gordon yes. with a younger Batman? Yes. If it's the right combination, absolutely. I can stand to see Tom Selleck in anything. I could, I could quite happily sign a petition to have uh, Chris Barry as Batman <laughs> if, it, if it meant Tom Selleck was Commissioner Gordon. We'll uh, we'll talk about Chris <laughs> Barry after this. So that was one of our favourites from last week's Eurovision song contest. Um, yeah, I think not one of it was my favourite. It's it's been on in the car, on the Echo device, um, 
almost non-stop. My, my youngest daughter loves it. And um, in her words, the, the bit where he sort of goes off... <laughs> I'm speaking. Sing it. I'm speaking. Sing it. I'm, the bit where the I can't remember what the proper name for it is. I'm going to only have to describe it as Norwegian yodeling. Yes. The guy is on his own, going. No, 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 no. Along those lines, my youngest daughter says, "I love the bit where he goes for it." <laughs> <laughs> That's a good description, and I he does. If it is traditional Norwegian yodeling, though, because. Spirit in the sky, and then the out um, the the cover art for the song is actually animals. So I think of spirit animals. Spirit in the sky is it actually um, a Native American influenced song? In which case, are they doing a Native American chant type song? I I can't remember what they said it was called. But I'm sure one of the presenters on the semi-finals referred to it as a traditional Sami, which I think is one of the names of the indigenous, very northern Laplander type people. Ah, uh, okay. Type singing. So I can't remember what they called it, but I'm sure I heard them saying that's what it was. And I suppose you, of, of the animals that they have on the cover, they have elks in Norway and... Wolves. The cat one confuses me. Maybe yeah, that's I can see why you'd think maybe that's Native American because it's it yes. looks like sort of like a mountain lion almost, and I'm sure they don't have them in Norway. Any Norwegian listeners, please feel free to get in touch and let us know if you have any um, wild cats that roam your northern wastelands. Any wild Krieger <laughs> that. The uh, the singers all seemed very very happy to be there. I would say they were quite keynos. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, before the break, we were talking about Chris Barry as Batman. Yeah. Um, although, just to divert slightly, obviously we had Batfleck. Um, Robert Pattinson's mooted and you coined a term which I'm surprised hasn't already been put in the papers or on the internet. Oh, yeah. Certainly, I've not seen it. Robert Battinson. Battinson. Yes. Yeah. Batfleck, Battinson, um. Christian Bat, <laughs> and, which is uh, both a man and a, a tool for hitting non believers. <laughs> Michael Batten. Michael, Michael Key. Michael B. Keaton. Key, key, key Bat. Mm. Needs work. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Chris George Barry. Bud, ba- George Bat. <laughs> I forgot George Clooney had been Batman. Yeah. Bat Kilmer. Yep. Why not? Yep. But this needs. I think this is something we're gonna have to go and devise. Yes. Uh, so yeah, Chris Barry. Um, I don't know if we've talked about this before. Apologies if we have, but um, it's worth mentioning <laughs> when. So this is how silly uh, fans can get. Fans can make suggestions for actors for roles uh, just purely because they like them and then get so convinced that they're the right person for the role that they almost campaign. Like, like what idiot would think that Chris Barry is the right person to be James Bond? 
on the basis that he, he wore a suit once in a role. Actually, he'd, based, based on his performance in Lara Croft, he'd make a better Alfred than a James Bond. He hasn't got the beard for it. He can grow a beard. <laughs> can he? That's the problem. Maybe they could CGI attach on and go if like can, flip it the other way If they way can around. take it off, they can put it on. So if you're listening on Anchor, that was Lewis Capaldi with someone you loved. And I was saying to you earlier today, wasn't I, that um, that feels like the kind of song we ought to enter into Eurovision. Not necessarily that style every time, but that is a nailed-on, catchy, really well-written, really really well-performed three-minute pop song. And it's the sort of thing... That we should be... I don't understand why we continue to see Eurovision as a backwards, silly, camp affair. Yes, there are those elements to it, but there's those elements to all good entertainment, I think, to a greater or lesser extent. I don't know whether we do see it like that. I think it's just that we know that in order to get the viewers in this country... We need to be in the final. So therefore, to be in the final, we have to be in the top five fund generators. And therefore, it actually doesn't really matter what song we submit. Because from a viewing figure's point of view, those viewers will still turn up. And will, therefore, the money money aspect is, is kind of irrelevant. Because you don't want to win it, because then you're going to have to pay even more in order to host it. I suppose by staying in the final, you guarantee the viewers, but without the... And if you send a rubbish song, it's without the risk of having to pay that cost. Yeah. It's, but then, why not see it as an opportunity to export the best of British music to the rest of the world? Well, I think we've talked about this before, and I think it's because the best of British music doesn't need it as a platform right now. He finds other ways to do it. Mm. It's actually too much of a risk for a big act like Ed Sheeran or Adele or someone like that to 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 turn up and do a Eurovision song and come last potentially. But will that change now? Will that stop? You know, we've had Justin Timberlake performing at the halftime. We've had Madonna performing at halftime. Whether you necessarily think they should be or not, if those sorts of big acts aren't afraid to perform at Eurovision will that see a change in the way it's perceived I I suppose the other way of looking at it is other countries send legitimate acts from their own country and from the region Yes, and the more you send decent quality acts the risk of coming last and failing diminishes yes so, do, are you really suggesting that, for example, if we sent Take That with not not with like a rubbish song that is sort of like they've had at the bottom of the drawer that they couldn't be bothered knocking out for, like if they if we sent Take That with one of their best songs, that they wouldn't do well, really? Yeah, they would. Yeah, well, we can live in hope. 
just like I can live in hope that you can persuade your wife to uh, authorise <laughs> us going to Authorized. next year's Eurovision Song Contest. Operation Holland. Yes. Wherever it's held, we want to be there. Whether it's in... I've not even heard of some of the country, some of the cities that so are what apparently have we had. Amsterdam, Rotterdam, Maastricht. Utrecht. The Hague. There was about eight. And, and, there, was, and there were some others that began with A that I've never heard of. No. Nope. Just very strange. I think it'd be surprising if it's not held in one of the major cities, considering that Holland, or the Netherlands rather, haven't won since 1975. Exactly. That would be like the UK hosting it and holding it somewhere like Harrogate. <laughs> <laughs> it's never happened. What year was that, by the way? That was the year ABBA won, so... Oh, that was 73? That doesn't account. Count. That was like when they used to hold it in the CBBC broom cupboard. Yeah, where there were like 12 countries that yeah. rocked up and entered. And the scoreboard was actually a, a literal woman. board. It was with like um, rotating pieces of wood. It was like that woman who used to be on uh, the Generation game swapping the scores over. Yes. Scores on the board, Miss Ford. That was it, Miss Ford. Yes. So I noticed you're having a good old peruse of my comic books earlier. Yes. And there's a, there's a couple. That, uh, obviously I was looking at primarily the, the Batman ones. Um, there's an Octopussy one as well, isn't there? There's an Octopussy one. Which I've, I've been finding... That, so I try not to spend too much on them. And, you know, if you bought brand new... I'm, I'm, these so these are the the actual books, the trade paperback ones that you, you know you can get in comic book shops or online, and you know depending on where you're looking, you can you know they fluctuate a little bit in price, but you're, you're hoping to never pay over the odds. But I've been picking up all sorts of nice stuff in in charity shops recently. If you're prepared to sort of wait and look around, and and that octopusy one was a. It was a one pound purchase, and it was a special Marvel uh, hardback book from when the film came out, and it's a sort of an adaptation of the film in comic book form, plus uh, some other little bits and pieces in there, little articles and stuff, which is cool. Um, I got another James Bond one the other day, which is based on well, it is actually a compilation of Daily Express comic strips. From I think the this compilation was from nineteen seventies I think somewhere. So both of these bargains are somewhere in the region of thirty to forty years old. Well, the compilation is 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 from the last decade. Oh right, okay. But it's a compilation of stuff from that right, era. Okay. So uh, this was kind of fairly new to me. Um, for many, many years, the Daily Express ran a James Bond comic strip. Hmm. And by that, I mean it was literally three panels every day. And they told the story over a period of months in three-panel form. That's going to take a while. It took... Yeah, if you, you sort of... I think there's three stories in this book. And it's amazing that they can keep the story going in three-panel form without it... Because... Almost the first panel of each day has to remind people where they were the day before. And also the last one has to keep them interested enough to want to read tomorrow. Yeah. It's a very 
So you've only really got one panel to move the story forward properly. Yeah. What a what a task. But it does work. You can read it. I mean, it's not like reading a modern comic book where you've got sort of splash panels and all that kind of stuff going on. But but it's it's fun. So I enjoyed picking that one up. This one was the Golden Ghost. Um, but yeah, you said you were mainly looking at the Batman. Yeah, um, Long Halloween. I've got that. Love it. Really like the Long Halloween. Um, Arkham Asylum. Very different in tone. Very different art style. It's quite difficult in, to in, read, actually. Yeah, it's it's almost like it's it's not really about Batman. Yes. It's about the other people in Arkham. It's a, it's a really, it's a weird book. And it's almost like it stands apart and separate from Batman. What what I find, what I found, find it, what I found a little bit difficult with it was the art style. It's like, it's almost like you can hardly really tell sometimes where characters and scenery separate and sometimes it's not just characters and scenery sometimes it's like uh, almost like background imagery that relates to it symbolically yeah. and stuff it's sort of all blend into one or almost as a montage sometimes doesn't it there's there's a lot going on in that book and I th- I th- it's not particularly long i think i read it in an afternoon but I found myself going back and reading sections over again to make sure I'd got what was meant to be there. I'm sure there's still some bits that I've missed. Do you find when you're reading a comic book that you mainly read the read the words and keep the story moving quite quickly, then go back and enjoy the imagery later? Or do you take your time over every page to take in the image as well as the words? More the first. I, I will read through it. What I'll usually do when I've got one is I'll, I will flick through and look at the pictures. <clears throat> and a lot of the time I'll sort of look at little sections of the story that catch my eye. And obviously none of it makes sense, there's no context, and it's almost like that little section in of itself doesn't make sense from one panel to the next. And it's almost like I think to myself, this, how am I going to read this? It's not properly put together. But then you, you go back to it with a fresh set of eyes, and yeah, I think I'll go through the words first, and then I will look at and take in the pictures. You almost did that this afternoon, didn't you, when you... Um... You're looking at the death of Superman that I'd recently picked up. I got that in a charity shop for three quid, which I was really, really chuffed about. Um, you open the page where Doomsday's punching. Spoiler alert! I mean, it is twenty odd years old. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but punching uh, Supergirl. Supergirl cleaning the face. Doomsday punching Supergirl. Clean. Well, it's not clean. There's nothing clean about it. Her face looks like it's been. Turned into putty. Made out of wax and then melted. Yes. It, it's a bizarre it's... image, really weird image. But you skip to that and it's quite near the end, isn't it? Yeah. And then I skipped through the whole thing again and I kept finding myself back on that page in some weird, morbid, Supergirl face-melting montage. 
I mean, it's fair to say that Supergirl, I think, I mean, I'm not massively familiar with her comic book work, but I think she gets a fairly rough deal in a lot of the the bigger events. I think she, I think she dies in, uh, in Crisis in, in Crisis on Infinite Earths. Yes, or at least a version of her does, because yes. obviously the whole point of that is as infinite ones. And then she, you know, there's, it doesn't really explain to us what happened to her on the death of Superman in the next panel. It doesn't say, oh, she went off and had her face fixed. It just, it just, from what I can tell, doesn't allude to it again. So I can only imagine that that's it. Face pummeled, she's dead. Which, when it's called the death of Superman, you would expect that to be. Well, Supergirl at least needs yeah. joint billing. I think I read uh, an article a little while. I didn't think. I, I did read an article a little while ago where they put forward the theory that actually Supergirl is the more powerful character than Superman. Oh. And it's it's basically along the lines of she was a, I think she was older than Clark slash Cal when she landed on Earth. She's therefore had a more mature approach to developing and using her powers and would have been more attuned to how they worked and so can use them more effectively. Okay. There's there's other things as well that, that, that do it. Um, and I, I think something else is saying that basically she holds back a lot more when she's fighting than Superman does because... I can't remember. I'm not as familiar with it, but the, the basic theory was that in a one-on-one fight, she'd thrash him. Mm. Putty face, though. <laughs> <laughs> Old putty face. Yeah. So, <clears throat> the theme there, for those of you who... Uh, who may not be familiar with it, from the theme from, is it Smallville? Yes. The theme from Smallville. Now, I never watched Smallville all the way through to the end, but I think all the characters from the Justice League appeared in it towards the end. Yes. I'm fairly certain I remember seeing an advert with Green Arrow in it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure, uh, pretty sure he's in it. I'm pretty sure... The guy from the Norwegian entry in Eurovision is also in it. Oh, was um, Doomsday. <laughs> I was thinking Lex Luthor. Oh, sorry. <laughs> it was his bony protrusion that yeah. got me confused. <laughs> I was thinking of his shiny bont. But based on what we've said in recent episodes, does that mean he looks like you? Yeah. 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 Put me in a suit and shave my head even more. You know, give me the full Kojak. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have toyed with that idea, but it's not, I've not had the, worked up the courage yet to do it. But anyway, um, the, one, of the, one of the other comics that I looked at, um, obviously you've got Dark Knight Returns, classic. I, yes. I think that, that was pretty much the first Batman it's, trade paperback, they called them, don't they? Um, yeah. But, graphic novel, whatever they call them, um, that I read. And 
was it, mine, it, yeah. it just absolutely got me hooked. It was amazing, absolutely amazing. And I think it's it sounds quite cliche, but it gives you such a deeper understanding and feeling of the characters, particularly with this, with someone like Batman. Um, that's ridiculous when you just when you describe Batman to someone who's, who'd never come across Batman, grown man, parent who's been wronged, dresses up as a bat to dispense justice. It sounds ridiculous, but don't it's, you it's do a, that? I don't know. I dress as a weevil. Oh, okay. I dress as a uh, squirrel. And uh, if it's a really special occasion, Basil Brush. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's my favourite. I noticed you skipped over my uh, Batman versus Predator. Not skip over, save till last. Ah, save till last. Batman versus Predator. Another charity shop purchase. Now, have you read Batman versus Predator yet? Yes. Okay. Without giving away any spoilers. Yes. What's the What's the story? Well, there's this character called the Predator. <laughs> right. And um, what does he do? He sort of predates. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Kills people. Right. And uh, happens to be in Gotham. Right. Which is where Batman lives. Right. So Batman has to go up against him. So you might say it's Batman versus Predator in many respects. Right. So... But the Predator's an alien? Yes. <laughs> so it's Batman versus Alien? <laughs> yeah, which is another... You can get that. <laughs> that does exist. Bat- so you could have Batman versus Predator versus Alien, but actually that's Batman versus Predator brackets Alien versus Alien. Yeah. I, you know what I want to get also that you can get? You can get Batman versus Judge Dredd. Oh, my God. I'm wanting to get this book. I would then like to do the triumvirate and have uh, Judge Dredd versus Predator, which is also a book. Closing the circle. Yeah. The snake eating its own tail. So, um, is it good? I enjoyed it, actually. It's well done. How can you not? Yeah. How can you not? Crossovers in comic books work. Crossovers in TV and film don't tend to. But that's okay. You know what? It's exactly what you'd want from a purchase that you just sort of stumble across in in a charity shop. Um... And uh, it's it's ace, so I recommend it. So enjoy that. I will. You can borrow. I it. will. Thank you. Um, that's been us. Uh, we'll see you next time. Don't forget to like and subscribe, and we'll see you soon. Soldiers of Hell is a Fosgate Studios production. If you enjoyed it, please like, subscribe, comment, and share.